Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And here we are back again, week two of the Easter season, second full week. We're gonna be, we're here talking about the gospel uh, for May first, the week leading up to the third Sunday of Easter. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning back in. Uh, we'll be talking about the the very next story um, in John's gospel after the story we had last week. That's always fun, I think, mm-hmm. when we are not like jumping around so much, but when we carry carry the narrative through. So, and it's although a good it one. affects your ability to give context, that's true. <laughs> It does make the context less important. Yes. Yeah. And repetitive. Yeah. It's repetitive. <laughs> and then it's just me making up fun facts. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about that. But first, we always like to check in with one another about a place where we saw or felt God moving in our lives. Last week, Charlotte shared, which means that I am now obligated to share. And do you have anything better than a kaleidoscope of butterflies? <laughs> no. And obviously, it's not a competition. It's not an obligation because I love sharing. And it's always extremely clear to me where God was present moving in my life. Um, I'll tell you where I couldn't feel God's movement. That's it was a, a super desolation. Honestly, my whole household has just been like someone's been sick for the last like three weeks. Ugh. Yeah. I had I recently went and visited my family. Uh, in Florida for my grandmother's 90th birthday. Shout out, Grandma. Um, and within 24 hours of being there, I got some sort of stomach bug and was vomiting, oh. and it was terrible. I was in bed for like a full day, and then I was perfectly fine. My body just had to hate me for <laughs> a, one day. Yeah. And then other people got sick, so the stomach bug slowly went through <laughs> the entire family <laughs> as we were there. Then we came back and like George had a cough and croup and every, no one, everyone's tested negative for COVID. Right. But it's just like just enough to like keep it's It's like so I don't know. There's something about it as like when my when I'm when I'm sick, it is hard. I like it, I have a hard time slowing down and doing nothing and just resting, which I was required to do because then I had another like stomach thing when we came back last week. And then when my kids are sick, it's like existentially painful on another a different level i am fine being sick myself right and it's existentially hard on for a different reason but when they're sick i'm like so anxious about it especially they both have asthma and like when it's coughing things or like they get a cold it's like wheezing and i'm like i hate it so anyway i think that's just been my it's just so hard to like I think what's what is what makes it hard to feel God's movement and presence is the lack of rhythm of mm-hmm. life because everything gets so thrown off kilter, and like we have like a good rhythm in normal time of like school and childcare and work and being at home, you know, at least for me, and like a good balance of those things. And when it gets thrown off, it's like I'm. There were a few days last week where like I was home with George and Fritzy and like. We're all sick <laughs> and no one's having a good time. And it's just like, it really is like this weird, like fog, you know, of life. And um, so anyway, I think I do. That's when I feel, well, that's when it's hard for, hardest for me to feel God's movement to like get a sense of God's presence in things is when there is no rhythm, 
you know, when my rhythm gets thrown off and there isn't like a rhythm to my day and then week, you know, and then multiple weeks in a row, it's like, um, it's not like an inability to be flexible cause I have the capacity to do that. But I think if it's like, if it's so many days in a row or like weeks in a row that nothing is normal, mm-hmm. it really gets to me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was my God, non, non sighting. <laughs> God was there though. Yeah, absolutely. It's just hard to feel. Oh man. Hard to feel. Amen. Amen. So anyway, we'd love to know why uh, it was hard for you to feel God's presence in your life or where it's hard to feel where it's hard to recognize God in the world. Maybe. Or where you, where it's very evident for you, where God is moving in your life or in the life of the world. We always love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear any of your stories or questions or comments from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can always email us with any of those stories. You can uh, contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, where you can also find all of those uh, faith to go resources for personal uh, family or group discussion. You can tag us or follow us on Instagram, or you can call us or leave us a text message. Leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you in any of those ways. You can find all those ways of contacting us listed in the podcast description for this episode. And now we're going to move into our gospel discussion. Like I said, uh, just to follow up from last week's gospel. I love this gospel for a lot of reasons. And Charlotte's going to read uh, read it, and then I'll give the smallest bit of context. Perfect. And then we'll each share a point. So the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, May 1st, the third Sunday of Easter is John 21, 1 through 19. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, 
You know that I love you. Jesus said, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt, because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this he said to him, Follow me. All right. What a story. There's a lot in it. Yeah. I love Jesus. Come have breakfast breakfast with me. Mm-hmm. If anybody if anybody remembers uh three four years ago, however long ago, when we talked about this gospel the last time, I had my friend Conrad on because he has that tattooed on his leg in Greek. Just those two words, have come have breakfast. Oh. He loves that so much. So that has a fun a good place in my heart because of Conrad, but also because it's a cool it's a cool verse. Um so anyway, here we are still in uh, John's Gospel, John chapter 21. This is the first 19 verses of chapter 21. Last week we heard the last verses of chapter 20. So we went from the story of Thomas and Jesus appearing to the disciples in those that week after uh, Easter Sunday to this resurrection story. And then there's just a few verses after this where Jesus has this uh, continues this interaction with Peter talking about the beloved disciple and uh, all the... And just like the the author says, and a bunch of other stuff happened, but I couldn't write it down. The world couldn't <laughs> hold all those pages. Um, so this is almost the last thing in the gospel, but there's a little bit more. And just a, something that jumped out to me was just the fact that Thomas is in the story. Yeah. Never really uh, thought about that before, that we go from, you know, Thomas being kind of this ostracized figure to being, again, like present at a, a resurrection appearance, you know. And it's kind of cool to think about this collection of people like, it's Peter, Peter, and then Thomas, and then Nathaniel, who has a, a cool interaction with Jesus at the very beginning of John's gospel. So Nathaniel's interactions are kind of like bookending the gospel in a, in a cool way. And then these other, I don't know, some other disciples, they say. Some uh, other ones. Too, it really take too much who ink knows? to name them. Yes. Um, but anyway, really cool interaction here. Also, just how erratic is Peter? What a crazy guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just like the collection, just looking at like <laughs> the snapshots of Peter <laughs> in the resurrection stories, he is just running places, freaking out. He dives out of this boat, and then they're just like, I guess we'll go get Peter now, like for no reason. Right. Because they get there at the same time. He's got to go back into the boat to get the fish. <laughs> <laughs> He is just something else, that guy. So anyway, some permission to be erratic, I guess. I don't know. Even even this incredibly important figure in Christianity, Peter, was just like diving out of boats, a crazy compulsive guy. So anyway, that's our context for today. Just how crazy. <laughs> was that Peter? context? What is he doing? <laughs> just a wondering. A wondering. And uh, Charlotte's got the first point for this week. Although I don't know how I follow that, but I'll try. Um, I was thinking, actually, I love the way this gospel paints a picture, but also connects to other gospels that we have talked about and reflected on. 
And what stood out to me this week as I was reading this gospel was this invitation to do something new or to try things in a new way. And this is not the first time that Jesus has told the disciples to throw their net out the other side of the boat um, because they weren't catching any fish where they were. And I love it for lots of reasons. I love that it ties those stories together. I love that Jesus is like, problem solving, right? This isn't working. Try it a new way. Um, Even though these people were fishermen. So in all likelihood, they had fished out of all the sides of the boat (laughs) at some point. But regardless, Jesus's instructions were like, try another way. And it yielded dramatic results. And then they come into the shore. And then we have this connection between the fish and the bread with the story of feeding the 5,000, right? Because he invites them to come. And this time he's not just feeding them out of what he has. He invites them to bring these fish that they've caught to, to contribute to it. So now we have had this invitation to try things a new way and this opportunity to add to the feast. And then we have the conversation that takes place between Simon Peter and Jesus. And in it, Jesus says three things. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and then feed my sheep in it. And well, those are different things in and of themselves, right? Like, yes, we're feeding lambs, which are baby sheep, so children, um, and then tend my sheep, which is take care of the grownups. And then the feed my sheep is that, oh, yeah, the grownups need feeding, too. But I don't think that that's one set group of people. I don't think that Jesus is talking about like, take care of your fellow disciples or take care of the people in my hometown. Um, I don't think he's restricting it that way. I think instead it's an invitation to think about what is coming next in their ministry in a new way. Who needs feeding? Who needs tending? Who needs tending and feeding? And how do you identify them? There's this invitation in it to continue to look outside of the box, Um, especially because I think when something traumatic happens to us, like we were talking about a little bit last week, that our comfort zone with going outside of where we are comfortable is much smaller. We don't want to go out exploring in the world, looking for other places to heal and other people to help. We want to like hunker down and and take care of our own. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hear in this, this invitation back into ministry, all of these things that you have traveled with me and have seen me do, all of these ways in which we have partnered. um, Well, now it's your opportunity, right? Like you, you are healing. Um, you are you have experienced these things, and now it's it's time to go and do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because Jesus, this this gospel to me, it speaks to like experiences they've already had. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's create he's pulling from memories, precious memories, um, with language and actions um, that they already have, and then he's using that to create the invitation into something new. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that goes, that kind of goes right to my point because I'm thinking about like how just this might, this might sound weird, but it's like how important the resurrection is to these, this group of people. I think we obviously have a sense theologically over the last 2000 years, there's been a lot of theologizing about the resurrection. It's like the central thing we talk about in Christianity, but 
you know, we have a sense of like what it means on a cosmic level, on like a worldwide level for humanity. But I'm thinking like how much it means for these individual people, like for their lives, for their wellness, for their sense of self, for their capacity to go out and do the things in the world that Jesus had asked them to do. And like Jesus spends a lot of time before the, the, his arrest and crucifixion in Jerusalem. We talk about that whole farewell discourse, those chapters and chapters of Jesus talking to his disciples, getting them ready for when he's going to be gone, what it's going to be like. There will be the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one, the spirit of truth that will guide you. And there's things that you can't know now that I can't tell you, but the spirit will tell you. And so he's like preparing for them for this reality that with an eye towards the fact that after his death, they're going to need to continue doing things. And at the same time, the way that they react to that tra- that trauma, mm-hmm. it like makes you think like if Jesus didn't come back to them, who knows what, what their fate would have been. You know, like they may have just, they may still be in that upper room. Right. You know, they were so paralyzed by what had happened that it was like, I'm just, I'm amazed by like the attunement of the resurrected Jesus to the needs of the disciples in this moment of grieving and trauma and sadness and regret. And so I'm like, I'm struck by what it, what they like, how, yeah, how important the resurrection, these resurrection appearances are to these individual people to, for them to have what they need to move forward. And then like thinking about that then for ourselves. Um, So, So last week we talked about like, yeah, how they were kind of like paralyzed by their own kind of like fear and trauma and grief. And and the thing we know about trauma is like the kind of one basic definition of trauma is like death being carried forward into life. Mm. You know, that like we, when trauma is like the suffering that remains with us after the event of suffering. Right. So like you, you're like carrying this event with you. Because it's uh, you can't process it. It's like too it's too much for it to stay in the past, and so the past continues into the future, right? So it's the death that continues in life. And so Jesus's example here is like they are par- they are kind of paralyzed by that trauma, that by the death that continues that they're carrying with them, and they have no kind of sense of how to move beyond it to 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 do things with it. And Jesus then brings, Jesus' very presence kind of shows them how you, that you can carry. It's not about like keeping the death in the past, but like learning how to carry it with you into the future. And so Jesus with the wounds, like we talked about last week, is like, here I am, I'm with you now, and I carry my death with me, and yet I am this new thing, this new life. So like what, look what, what has emerged from this situation. And so that kind of, there's something about that I think like makes a way for them Mm -hmm. to leave the upper room, you know, to like go out and do the fishing, you know, like to do, to do this next thing. It's not that they they know exactly what's going to happen, but they like have the capacity to do the next thing, to keep moving forward. And then I'm struck in this. So that's Jesus kind of like addressing their like communal grief and trauma. Not that he figures it all out for them and not that it's that simple. You know, it's very, it's such a complicated thing. Um, But then Jesus, I'm just struck by Jesus's interaction with Peter here and thinking about Peter then like, would Peter have been able to 
to move on without this interaction for Jesus because Peter's last Peter's last interaction with Jesus was Jesus telling him that he would deny him three times. Then the last time Peter was asked three things about three times in a row about his relationship with Jesus, it was to deny that he even knew him. And that was back in chapter 18. And so now a week and however many days later, Peter is given this incredible miraculous gift to stand in front of Jesus and to be asked by Jesus the same thing three times, do you love me? And then he gets to say three times, I do love you. And like what an incredible gift to Peter to have that kind of redemption. So that like Jesus offers this redemption to Peter and that in like carried in that redemption is this sense of like, and now use this to do what? To feed my sheep, to tend my sheep feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You know, it's like carry this redemption with you into the future because this is giving you a way forward. And so to think of like what would it have been like for Peter if his last interactions had been to deny Jesus Mm -hmm. and like how powerful it is for him to be able to tell Jesus face to face, I love you three times in a row. And it's almost like he doesn't get that here because he's annoyed by it by the end. You know, like he doesn't understand what's happening. But I think that is also, that's interesting because it's like it almost doesn't have to be conscious. Like I'm sure there there is something that is released in him that is healed in him, whether he's aware of it or not because of this interaction with Jesus. And so then to like, Jesus is like, yeah, now follow me. Obviously Jesus is going to go away. So what does following, follow me mean now? Before it meant just follow me, like walk walk behind me. But now follow me, follow me means something different. You know, and you're going to have to figure that out in the future. And so Jesus is like releasing things for people. And I think that's a cool, that's a cool thing about the resurrected Christ is like this, 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 that if that Christ is like the Christ is in then in, in some way, this, the, the universal capacity to release, to find a way forward through our pain and sadness and regret to like, to have things healed in us that the um, incredible movement of change and transformation that is available. And that is like, and this is the Holy spirit, I think because the Holy spirit is the thing that, which is attuned to the needs of whatever is happening, you know? So it's like that incredible attunement and that, uh, that Jesus is responding to them with exactly what they need, you know, to move forward. All right. And so that's our two points for this week. Uh, number one point was Charlotte's about this again, about this interaction with Peter about, but about the, the invitation for newness, for trying something new, for doing something new and, and to do that work, you know, bring that newness into our work in the world, you know, and to tend to the sheep and feed the lambs and, and follow Jesus in that new way. And number two was mine. And it was about this interaction with Peter again, about like how Jesus is meeting the disciples Peter and the disciples in the upper room and Thomas with just with giving them exactly what they need, you know, in the moment to, to find a way forward, to take their next step. Maybe not to, again, thinking about last week, not fully healing them, not figuring it all out, but like finding the path forward, you know, one step at a time. So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your point would have been if you'd been on the podcast this week. Uh, we'd also love to hear any of your God sightings, any places you was clear where God was moving or hard to feel where God was moving. 
any of your stories or questions or comments from your week of faith discussion or reflection, you can always email us. You can contact us through our website. You can uh, call us, leave us voicemail, or leave us a text message. Uh, or you can tag us or follow us on Instagram at faith to go You can find all those ways of getting in touch with us listed in the podcast description for this episode. And we will be back next week to talk about the fourth Sunday of Easter uh, for Sunday, May 8th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.